Welcome you into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shopto, C70's bat at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Alan Medlock from Red Dirt Redbird, a Medlock one on Twitter. Coming to you on a Tuesday night here, right before Thanksgiving. I hope you have a good holiday, and we'll talk a little bit more about giving thanks and stuff like that later on in the show. But, Alan, you know, as we've kind of look at this kind of week that has been going on with not just the Cardinals, really. The Cardinals have been rumored. They've been talking about some stuff. They've signed TJ McFarland, which is not exactly a huge thing. But there's been a lot of activity in baseball, it feels like. Um, and for me, I don't know. That feels like a little bit of optimism that, yeah, a lockout might be coming, but it feels like baseball doesn't expect it to last real long. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And, and, you know, that's kind of been my opinion the whole time is I think that they're going to probably lock them out at the first and it may be a cold December, but I think that it comes back rather quickly. And it wouldn't even surprise me if there's still some way they extend it to where they have the winter meetings and stuff like that. I, I don't know how that would work or even if it can work, but there's enough movement to where, where it does seem like there's some optimism as far on the, uh, the labor front. Um, I was kind of thinking time has really flown by since the end of the season. I don't know. I mean, it's been busy and, 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 and that's probably plays a big part of this, but, but I was thinking, man, some of these guys are really signing early. And man, then I looked and I was like, well, you know what? It is Thanksgiving and the Cardinals have brought people on before then. So, so, you know, I don't know, but it does seem like there is a, uh, there is a kind of a rush right now to kind of get some of these things done, which is actually been really nice and i i i kind of approve of the way that the cardinals have approached this so far yeah i mean the cardinals have you know they've obviously done the managerial thing they've done the bench coach thing and before we get far past that i know alex and tara and i talked about schumacher but your thought about about him coming in as a bench coach uh, you know what? I was excited about it. I was skeptical about it because it just seemed like kind of an odd move to to leave the West Coast to come back to take this to take the role and, and in a situation where you you probably don't have a chance to be the the head coach unless things or to be the manager unless uh, mm. you know things go pretty bad you know quickly. Um, I will say, you know, his quote in the uh, in the Gould piece of "Hey, I would rather stay in California, find somebody else if you can." That did bother me a little bit. I was thinking, you know, I'm not I'm not like I'm wanting the all in, you know, the all the buy in on that. But it still makes me wonder if this isn't just a, you know, one or two year experiment and just to see how it works. Which that may have been the plan from the beginning. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, the fact that Cardinals tried to sign him to a long-term deal and he basically took a one-year deal with some options um, <clears throat> means that, I mean, you could you could see it as being less than committed. But, you know, it's a big change. Um, we know that there are people like, you know, Mark McGuire kind of left St. Louis to some degree to go out to the West Coast because of his family. Um, <clears throat> knowing, you know, Skip's got these got, got kids. Uh, wanted to be around those Matt Holiday, a guy like that, you know, talked about how he didn't really want to leave Oklahoma State because of his voice and yeah. being in that area. Um, so you can get that. I understand that. You're right. It just makes you feel like, you know, how how excited are you to be here? But you know, again, until you do it, until you're in this situation, you don't know. And I think it's smart for some players and some people not to just you know lock yourself down into something that. Hey, this, you know, you get into it early and it's like, man, this is not for me. And I've got to do this for two or three or four more years. I, yeah. I don't know about that. Um, you know, that way, if it's like, Hey, it's one year deal. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. If it does, you know, I think everybody'd be glad to, to re-up it. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that's, that's a really good point. Just due to the, the circumstances of, you know, moving halfway across the country and seeing how it works out. And, and that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> You know, and then the you know, I, I did kind of dismissively talk about TJ McFarland, um, two and a half million dollars. I think he's got a little bit of a, a buyout. Um, you know, I a little bit concerned about him, Garcia, both. Yeah. About just whether you know guys that are great in a bullpen one year, can they repeat it the next year? Especially guys you've just pulled off the scrap heap, and they you, you maybe you've made that change, maybe you haven't. Again, it's not a big deal because it's not a huge amount of money. But what are your thoughts about McFarland being back in that bullpen? I, I probably the same as yours. I mean, it's uh, I you know, we like the the signing due to the familiarity, but you do wonder about the certainty of what they're actually going to bring back. Um, I I've become real guilty of hey, I just like to sign these guys as quick as possible so that it's not out there that. You know the rumor mill is not out there that they're still working on this or whatnot, and and you know that stuff kind of gets old, and then you kind of move on to the next one. But but yeah, you're right. I mean, that's uh, we always talk about the volatility of bullpen pieces, and you just wonder if uh, you know do they feel like they you know they struck gold on this, or is, is this one of those things to where it's going to be another uh, uh, Brett Cecil type move? Well, again, the good thing about this is it's it's a short term. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Thing. Yeah. So, um, and you know, the Cardinals have gone. I think really to some degree, they realize how deep they had to dig into the pitching last year, and so because we've seen them sign what two or three guys already to minor league contracts, um, not not forty man spots, but there are another arms that can be available maybe to be added to the 40 man at some point in time next year, if necessary. Um, they're really, they're really, I think a little bit spooked and, and rightfully so about how, what kind of bought up barrels they had to scrape last year. And, you know, they got lucky with Garcia and McFarland, but in to some degree, Justin Miller, although not to the same level, um, but those things could have gone really, really badly as well. And if they had, I don't know what the other options would have been for the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh yeah. It, it's funny. I feel like a lot of, a lot of the, uh, 
organizational pivot right now is all about depth in, in every area, especially pitching. You know, I, I think that uh, we kind of thought that the, you know, the shortstop market was going to be, uh, you know, target number one and, and they had everything else covered. But uh, that seems like that's way down the depth chart right now as far as the needs. Um, I think that they're uh, going to sign as many relievers as they can. They're going to sign probably some pretty big starters, I would assume, if not a trade, which I think but maybe more likely in one guy, that uh, they're just going to, to – uh, they're going to bring in as many bodies as I can. And it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I've been thinking about this as well. You know, we heard them and, and this is a topic we're supposed to talk about later. I'm sorry, but no, you know, the, the backing up of de young and saying, Hey, listen, give him a little bit of, of uh, leeway here. Um, I just think that kind of goes back to what we've seen with all these teams that are making the, uh, the deep runs in the playoffs right now is their depth is just, is, is, they just have so much more depth than a lot of the times that the Cardinals have had. You know, the bench just wasn't that good at any point last year, and I think that they're trying to change that. I think that they're going to force Gorman into the into the equation. I feel like they're going to keep both shortstops. I feel like they're probably going to add another bat, and then then uh, Yepes is is going to come along as well. So they, I think that they're going to you're going to see a very active spring training with guys that they think can make the team, and a lot of that is going to be the arms of the bullpen because. We just don't know what's going to happen with Hicks and Reyes and, and so many other guys, including who they may possibly bring in. Yeah, it, it seems it, to me it's been a little bit surprising, and, and maybe not to you, but you know, a month ago this time, before everything really got started, we knew the Cardinals needed to look at pitching, and we've talked about them, you know, making a run at Scherzer or whatever the case may be. But it really felt like a lot of people's focus, whether it was the Cardinals. Not so much, maybe, but you know, a lot of the fan focus was on getting yeah. a Seeger or Korea or something of that nature, and now that seems to have gone by the wayside. And you know, people are really focusing on the pitching. Maybe that's just because it's the way the Cardinal. It looks like what the Cardinals are going to do, but you know, they do need pitching. But like you said, they've got to bring in another bat somewhere because, as much as you know, Gorman may help this year, and Yepes may help this year you know, they also haven't proven themselves yet. And, yeah. you know, that that learning curve can be high. So, you know, I, I mean, if they don't bring in, I don't want, I don't know if I should say a significant bat, but at least a notable veteran bat, um, they may be kind of in the same situation they've been in some other years. Yeah. Do you think there may be some misdirection going on right now? Well, that's always a possibility. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, the Cardinals have just never even in any kind of public pronouncement, it really kind of even hinted at, at offense. Right? Yeah. No, I, no, I completely agree. I mean, that's, that, that was something that kind of surprised me as well, because I, I thought that going and getting a starter was going to be a luxury item, like, like a Scherzer, mm-hmm. but now it seems like they're going to stockpile as much as they can. And I, I don't like that for Alex Reyes, but you know, I, I, it may be what it is at this point. You know, they they fell in love with him as a closer, and that that's probably what's going to happen next year. I, I mean, I don't know, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of crazy how they have been gung ho on the arms, and I just wonder how much how much the fact that you know they're pitching a defense organization, and last year was the year that they really got tested depth wise. That that they're just like, hey, our mo is pitching, and we're just not going to let this happen again. And if they could put together a, a pitching staff that reminded everybody of 2015, 
then sure, because this lineup is better than the lineup that was in 2015, and they would definitely be able to put up more runs, and they would probably win a lot of games with that. I, I you know, pitching a defense does win a lot of games in St. Louis history. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, part of me is like, there's some really, really, really good shortstops out there to the point that they that kind of shortstop class doesn't come around very often. Yeah. And I'm not sure, you know, Trevor Story is a good shortstop. I would like Trevor Story as a Cardinal, but, you know, maybe Story is that one where you say, okay, you take your chances with, with a bounce back at Padilla yeah. and things like that. But if you're actively in with Seager or, or Korea, or you, you, you could be, then maybe you should be. Now, I don't think the Cardinals are, in which case that's, you maybe you're just as good to help for, for DeYoung, but man, it just, it feels like, yeah, you've got a shortstop, but you have a chance to lock yourself in for the next, at least five years. I mean, the contract's probably going to be for 10, but you know, for the next five years, you could have an all-star, you know, shortstop. Um, you know, you kind of feel like you got to pull that trigger. Yeah. And you know, I completely agree with you on that too. I mean, it's, uh, you know, if those names are out there, I feel like you've, you missed the boat on a couple of years ago on the, the young free agents and you probably would have wanted to, they probably wouldn't have been able to pay what Harper Machado made, but you, you do have this right now to where you could go anywhere of the five deep and, and be all right. I do agree with you on that. I mean, outside of a, I mean, you're going to go, yeah, Seager, Correa, I know that we've had this conversation before. Those are the two that you would be in play. Um, and then the other ones, you, you feel like, okay, well then I, let's just try to bounce back and, and, and uh, use our, uh, use our, our uh, finances somewhere else. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, there does seem like there's a move to be made somewhere, but, but I just don't know what it is. I mean, it is obviously seems so far down the list. I just wonder if that's, we're just not looking in the right direction because of the way that they're approaching this. It could be. Now, Derek Gould has written that the Cardinals wanted to try to finalize even a, a pitcher this week, like before Thanksgiving, which is going to be really difficult unless they get some something done tomorrow. But Well, it makes uh, me wonder how deep they are with Matt. Yeah. And if, I mean, they do seem to be, a what was there, like eight teams listed? Or, yeah, or, and I've heard he's going to say he's going to sign tomorrow, or, or at least choose tomorrow, is what I yeah. heard. Yeah, I've, I've heard that as well. And, you know, I've got no problem with them getting Stephen Matz. I just don't know that, I, I hope that that's like your fourth or fifth starter, and you're still going to try for yeah Roman or a Scherzer type um if that's your big acquisition for your rotation I mean it helps it's, yeah it's good but I don't know that it's I mean then you really have to turn around and think and really get into that you know Seager Korea mix yeah or you know this team isn't that much but it, it's probably better than last year but I don't know it's that much better yeah and you know the name that I, I had talked about just a second ago that the, the uh, you know the one that I feel like one Matts would surprise me because I feel like he probably ends up back in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I the one I wonder about Manea out in Oakland because I feel like you have some assets that you could trade in that direction, and you know you have control until twenty three, and that's right up their alley. Yeah, that, if you're looking at a left hander, I could see something like that happen. Yeah. 
I, I did see something today about, I think it was another Google, at least blurb. I didn't necessarily read the article, but uh, some indication that they were looking at the free agent market because the trade market had been very costly. Expensive. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, that being said, again, that may be something that you say so that, you know, the price comes down. Um, but, you know, it's the thing with the Cardinals is if, if they want to make a trade, they can make a trade. Yeah. But if they try to make a trade for somebody that is in fairly high demand, they may have problems because they've got they've got some top notch guys, but I don't know that they go deep enough. And you're not going to trade a Gorman in or Yepes. Completely agree. At this point, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. No. You know, you know, I'm very interested to see what Yepes will do in the major leagues, and then obviously they're going to need a you know a DH spot for him to do much, but. Um, yeah, I can't see the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are too high on him as well uh, to try to trade him off for even even for somebody like that. So, you know, if you can get into those, you know, some of those other guys, um, you know, some of the guys that were left off the the um, are left available in the Rule Five. You know, like I saw Luke and Baker was not protected, which is a guy that I would have thought would be one of those kind of mid range. T- prospects that maybe doesn't get you i mean you have to put like three or four of them together to even try to get to a package but something that that kind of level that the cardinals didn't have a whole lot of those and i'm not saying they should have protected him and hopefully he he slides through because i think they'd like to keep him around but you know some people like that would have been maybe able to make a deal again though if you get a, a situation where you've got a organization that has a lot of depth in their minor leagues, then you pretty much write it off because they can do, they can pay a higher price and not feel it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. The, were you surprised at all of the, the nine of the uh, rule five exposed guys? Well, that was last week when I was doing lights uh, at my house. So I didn't oh, okay. Yeah. I, I well, the thing is, that I can't imagine any of them being taken. You know, yeah. so I'm just like, well, I feel Delvin, like all of them will be back. Delvin Perez is one that could be interesting um, because Perez did make a bit of a, a, a jump this year. But even yeah. then, I'd have to look. I don't think he played AAA, did he, this year? No, no, he, he was in uh, Springfield all year. No. Yeah, so I would be surprised, yeah, that somebody would want to take the risk of him at the, at the major league level all year long. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. And, I mean – we do a lot about rule five and there's, and that's, it's probably fair to pay attention to it, but I got to feel like there's a lot of teams that don't do that. Right. I mean, you're going to have to be a team like Pittsburgh or, or somebody that's just not planning to win. If you're going to bring a guy up from double a and let him sit on your bench all year long, yeah, and play one man short all year, you know, and that's, and that's not fair. I mean, if you're, if you're tanking, then yeah, sure. That's a way to do it. And then maybe you have a, some quality guys, but you also ruined the development of those guys. We saw it with the Padres and um, yeah, 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 Cordoba, wasn't it? Al yes. Cordoba that yep. did that, and you know they had him sit up there for a year and then never really, really yeah. panned out. I think a pitcher you got a better shot just because you can throw them into those blowout games and it doesn't really yeah. matter. Um, but a hitter, you know, even if it's a blowout game, they only get like you know one at bat. Wonder, yeah. What you do, so. Well, you always wonder, and this is, I mean, this is spitballing to the highest degree, but uh, you always wonder in a situation if, if Cincinnati is kind of, put, you know, pushing all the, if they're trying to, 
to cost mm-hmm. save. You do wonder if a Perez isn't a guy worth taking for them just so they can figure out a shortstop, something that they've never been able to do. You know, yeah. one of those outside yeah. of Larkin. But uh, that's just, you know, putting pieces together. And it may somebody may say that makes zero sense, and it probably doesn't. But it's just – it's one of those you're just thinking, well, a defensive first guy who could be ready but just can't hit, you just wonder how much that, that could play in that ballpark. Yeah. And, I mean, especially since Perez seemed to, to do a little bit better last year and fill out a little bit more. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. That seems to be if you're willing to you – know, Yeah. And it seems like Cincinnati is. I mean, they haven't – That's a weird deal. Isn't it, though? I mean, yeah, I think they really – they spent their money and just didn't get the return on it fast enough. And it was like, okay, yeah. we're done. You know, we only had a like a two-year window. And, and they made the playoffs in 2020 because of the expanded numbers. But, you know, then, you know, Casti- Castellanos is leaving and – you know, a lot of the expensive guys haven't panned out, and so it's time to start again. And, you know, that's what the CBA is going to possibly going to have to look at. And I don't know, maybe one of the sticking points, and I don't know how you fix it. I don't know, you know, how you get away from tanking and stuff like that because people need to be able to develop young players, and sometimes that means ugly, ugly records. Yeah. But, you know it does feel bad because I mean, just two or three years ago, I was like, man, Hey, Cincinnati's they're spending, they're trying to make their team better, even though they don't necessarily have, you know, they're going to be two or three years away from actually, you know, have it contending. And, and now that they're getting to that place where you thought they'd be contending, they're selling it all off. And, and parts that don't even seem to make a lot of sense. I mean, Luis Castillo, <laughs> yeah, you get a lot, you, maybe you get a lot back for him, but you know, he's also got a guy that you need to keep, you know, keep hold of. It feels like. No, well, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's one of those, how many contenders would want to have some kind of combo of Castillo and Gray? You know yeah. what I mean by that? You're just like, I, you could be worse off than having those guys. You know what I mean? And it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's kind of strange that automatically whenever he, whenever Castellanos decided to opt out, which was the, the worst kept secret, you know, in baseball, oh, yeah. Yeah. then all of a sudden they're just like, oh, we're done. We're folding. It's like, I don't, I mean, you have two assets. You could, I guess you could, I guess the, the point being, you could get quite a bit in return for them, but I mean, you can't, you can't convince me that you can't win a few series as well with them. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's odd. Well, and especially, of course it kind of goes, you know, depending on how you work at it, but you know, right now there's what, two teams in the central that are worth anything. Yeah. Probably? Cardinals and the Brewers. Um, I mean, that's a lot of wins, you know, even if you're a 500 team in the central, you know, if you get a chance to beat up on the pirates and, you know, the a rebuilding Cubs team, yeah, who knows, you know, you get some, sure. you get a, get some, uh, career years and, you know, get some good wins and you could be right there at that wild card spot and who knows after that. So, well, yeah, I mean, look, you, you could lose a Corbin Burns real easy and that i mean the that brings you back to the pack quite a bit if you're right. Milwaukee same thing with any of the St. Louis starters or Goldschmidt Arnado you know that's uh i mean i don't know i mean that's the gamble we're taking i think for Cincinnati i but you know i don't know it's their finances yeah and that seems to be some of the there seems to be a lot of behind the scenes stuff i was had a uh twitter dm with a reds blogger for a while they were talking a little bit about you know and they're still trying to figure out you know there's some 
palace intrigue just seems to be and the ownership situation and stuff like that and who's really involved and you know all that kind of stuff so you know that's some stuff that probably has to be settled as well but you know their their losses the cardinals gain to some degree and it does yeah. mean that the cardinals don't have to do as much and still probably can be in that same kind of contending spot they're at but it does feel like the cardinals have gotten it into their minds that they need they need to do more. They can't just sit and let these young guys come up and yeah. hope that the, rest of the division isn't good. They they need to improve. And you know, if they go after one of those top pitchers, I mean, that's about all you can ask for, right? I mean, you got that, and I you'd like to see them get a. You know, we talk about the shortstop situation. We need another bat, but you know, it feels like they're at least going to be active in trying to solve things, even if, you know, we might not see the results of that for a while. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I mean, just what, how big of a, of a factor has it been that the, that the outfield developed, you know what I mean? You're just like, wow, that was a, you could tell that was a big monkey off their, off their backs because now, now I feel like they're going to be pretty aggressive and, and just think if, if they're in, they this was the first year. Now, ultimately, on the uh, initially, it looked underwhelming, but they were pretty active at the deadline this year. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of wonder if that's a trend going forward because they know that they do have a window to uh, win some games and possibly championship. Maybe, maybe so. Um, <laughs> you didn't seem convinced. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, it just depends on, I, I can see that. I think that that's, yeah. that's very possible. Um, I do think the Cardinals are, are going to be aggressive. And it, and again, it helps that the rest of the division isn't, but and it helps also that a lot of money has come off the books. I yeah. think that, you know, the fact that they did lose a lot of, you know, Dexter Fowler and Matt Carpenter and Carlos Martinez and all those kind of guys and, and some young people that may fill those spots like Gorman or Yepes. Um, I think that they, they realize that they've got to be aggressive and, and to be fair, the Cardinals have always wanted to win. I, I don't, I, I disagree with a lot of the people that think that they're yeah. just trying to save money. I think they've always wanted to win, but they've always wanted to stick to their way of, of winning. Yeah. And you know, now they've got the options to, to build around that. If yeah, that, that outfield, I mean, if it didn't, who knows what they do because. Oh yeah. Know, there's nobody, you know, after we've talked for what the last four or five years about all these outfielders and how are they going to do any of that? There's not any left, right? I mean, it's pretty much um, the three starters and Nuke Bar right now. I mean, it's yeah. all that's on the 40 man. And I don't see anybody that's necessarily going to be right there. You know, we thought, you know, Justin Williams might at least make his name felt and he didn't. And no. um, there's been others here and there. And I just, I mean, and I haven't looked at Kyle's um, dirty flirty this time around to, to see, and I'm probably maybe blipping over somebody, but it doesn't feel to me like there's after having all those outfielders. Now they might, <laughs> if worse came to worse, they might have to go out and get somebody if somebody got hurt. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. I mean, it's uh, I I feel like uh, yeah, Newt Bar has done enough to where that's going to be your four man outfield next year, and uh, you do wonder who's next. And if you would have asked me, it would have been Capel, but you know he's exposed at this point. 
you know? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird situation. Yeah. Cause I mean, they didn't, they didn't put anybody on and that feels like to me, you know, that's a situation where you go find, you know, probably at the, you know, spring training time or whatever, but yeah. you go find some bat that's, you know, not a full-time starter anymore, but would help the bench so much. Cause that, you know, we, we talked about how bad that bench was last year and, you know, to get a guy that has been around the block who, you know, kind of like the, the hitting equivalent of Happer Lester, you know, yeah, like, you know, Matt Joyce comes to mind when you say yeah. that, you know, a guy that's been with several teams, it's serviceable, but not a starter. That was exactly who I was thinking about when you were bringing those names up. Yeah. That, that kind of guy is, you're right. That would be the one where, you know, can, can do well off the bat bench can, can play once or twice a week in the outfield. You know, if somebody gets hurt, hopefully he could, you know, hold it down for two or three weeks without, you know, just embarrassing you. Um, you know, something like that where they, but you did a guy that you don't want to go out there and play 120 games a year. Yeah. Either. So, um, and it'll be interesting to see if they do that, you know, with rosters construction, the way it is. And being that you're carrying a lot of uh, infielders, they, they may not be able to, but yeah. And you know, cause I hope I'd like to think they won't make Tommy Edmond as their fifth outfielder, but I think they probably will. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, Honestly, I'd kind of thought about that yeah, when you were talking about the lack of uh, lack of outfield depth, and yeah, I, I gosh, I wish they would get away from that, get away from that, and the fact that he won a Gold Glove, I, I wish that it would just be yeah, let's just let's just stay put for a little while. But you're right, I mean that his flexibility may work against him forever. Yeah, it's possible, but you know, then again, if you know, if you see a Gorman finally, you know, kind of take over by the mid season, you know. Maybe that leaves Edmund to float around him. You know, if you're keeping both DeYoung and Sosa, there's not a whole lot of time for him to play shortstop. So yeah. it may be that. I, you know, that's one of the things about Tommy Edmund to me, it feels like is, yeah, he's locked in at second right now. But if Gorman passed him, I don't, his playing time would drop probably really significantly because you can't play him in the upfield very regularly. You can't play him at, you know, you could bounce him around and play him here and there, but. Yeah, I just, you know those guys aren't leaving the. They're not going to be out. But do you like? Do you feel like he's moved up the charts so much that he's going to get the, the top choice of of anywhere? Let's just say Gorman hits enough to where he has to play. Don't you think Edmund probably plays a lot of shortstop at that point? It would de- because you know it would depend on what the shortstops are doing. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, because you don't you don't expect. I mean, I don't think anybody expects Gorman to be up until like mid May. Let's say that. I, yeah. I mean, I yeah. A, a good strong spring maybe, but I, exactly. I, I think mid-May. And, you know, if you get into mid-May and Gorman's like, I've got to, you know, he's got to be there. I think you're probably more likely to see some sort of, you know, platoon situation with them, especially if Sosa and DeYoung are, or one of the two is hitting, you yeah. know, um, because Edmund can play shortstop, but, you know, I think you'd rather have either one of those gloves there if you can afford it. Yeah. Um, so, that would be a situation where it just depends because, you know, that's where I'm, that's where I'm getting at. If Sosa or DeYoung has kind of laid claim to shortstop, you know, Arnauto and Goldschmidt don't take days off very much. And, yeah. you know, especially with Goldschmidt, if they do, probably Yepes is getting that spot. Um, and the outfield, those guys aren't playing off much and you've got to figure out a way to get Newt Bar in there. So it does feel to me like Edmund, 
even though he's got a gold glove and even though he was a starter second baseman, and you're right, he has a lot of goodwill with the organization. He's also a guy that's a little bit on a, of a precipice that, you know, the wrong push and he could just kind of fall off into very little playing time all of a sudden. Yeah. And, and you know, you kind of wonder how much of the playing time and the, and the goodwill and everything had to do with Schilt as well. Right. right. Um, that, you know, I was thinking about that. Yeah. I really like Edmund as a player. I think he gets, yeah, he gets beat up a lot, but, but we do that with just about everybody. So I would kind of like to see how that, how that situation does play out. And it, it has been baffling to me how he never get, has received any run at shortstop. But I guess he necess- hadn't necessarily had to at this point. Yeah. I mean, that's, well, yeah. I mean, he could have, and I think we've talked about it, you know, n- not in 19 especially, he could have played more there when DeYoung was struggling so much down the stretch. Yeah. Because uh, when we felt like DeYoung was kind of worn out, um, he didn't, he probably could have played there a little bit more last year but 20 is so weird anyway yeah because Edmund did play short when DeYoung was out with COVID right he played a lot I think yeah the uh because Sosa was at the same time right um I know when they came back and went to Chicago he played shortstop because that lineup remember was actually pretty cool because you had you had uh, Edmund and and Kisner yeah yeah that's right they did they had that was one of those outfield. It was like you know, you never. It, it took a pandemic to see some of that. Kind yeah, of uh, yeah. I. So yeah, I. I mean, he just. I mean, and I think it is again. It boils down to. I don't. He's a good shortstop, but those other two guys play the position. I, yeah. I feel like better than he do does, and and he's been so valuable at. You know, especially the last couple of years, like this year at second base, because they're, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, it was, you know, at best, you know, if he didn't play second, who was he going to? You know, I mean, Sosa yeah. could thumb, but when Sosa took over at shortstop, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, whole lot of opportunities. I think so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I and I think you're very right. I, I was going to say something about that too. I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how playing time for a lot of people, for Edmund, for Molina. Um, for how they do the outfield, how all this is going to be different with Marmol and a, what would seem to be more of the front office analytical input into lineups and playing time versus what Schilt has done over the last couple of years. Um, because I think we even saw that. We I think we've talked about it even. You know, the idea that, you know, Marmol said, look, some days you may hit first, some days you may hit eighth. And I think that's kind of, you know, Edmund was so good from one side of the plate and not so much the other side. Yeah. That he's, he's saying, hey, look, you, just because you're hitting laid off one day doesn't mean you are the next day. And that's a, that right there is a change um, that we haven't seen. Yeah. That may take some getting used to for me. Yeah. But, you know, it, it uh, if they're winning, I can get over it pretty quick. Well, yeah, you know, one of those things where you don't nitpick them. But uh but yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, I feel like that's the way that any any front office is going now. Yeah, and I mean, remember, we saw that we've seen that. I mean, maybe not to that extreme a lot, but Tony Larusa would throw out what? Yeah, oh yeah. Like one year he threw out one hundred and fifty four yes. lineups in one hundred sixty two year games or something like yeah. that. I mean, that's a good he point. Was, he was always looking for that edge and kind of got away from it over the last two. You know, obviously 
Matheny didn't typically get creative like that. And, and Shield would occasionally, but it still felt like it was he was going to let it have a run, you know? <coughs> Excuse me. He didn't change it up on a daily basis, which may be fair, um, but it would be like a month or two of a run, and then maybe something would change. Um, so we'll see what Marmol does. Because there is some, there's some, I feel like there's some credence there, right? You don't switch somebody around because they went 0 for 3 the day before. But you also don't keep them there just because they went 3 for 4 when you've got a bad situation coming up for them. Yeah. Yeah, that, I will be curious to see how uh, creative and uh, and influential the front office will be to Marmol. You know, and I mean, it. It'll be interesting all the way around to watch how uh, how different things may be. It, it's funny how the dugout's essentially the same, and you know, the, them bringing on the uh, keeping the staff the way that it was really didn't tell us as much as I thought it would be, as I thought it would when they announced it. Because I thought it was like, well, how much of the, the, the Schilt mystery gets cleared up when they announce the staff, and it, it really didn't. You know, you just kind of like, well, they obviously butted heads. I don't know if we'll ever know the the true true reason, but you know. It's it was it wasn't as exciting as we thought it was, or as well, I anticipated it to be. Yeah, and I mean, you look at it; it very well may have been that Shields was a little bit on an island there, right? Yeah, I mean, that that maybe his staff wasn't quite as you know fully behind him as as they thought, and maybe that's what Mo found out. You know that there was some staff, a lot of staff, yeah. with some issues, and may have been that they thought they were going to lose at Albert or or a Maddox or somebody. And they decided it wasn't worth losing those guys yeah. over a personality conflict. I, you know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, the staff is pretty much the same. They also brought in Turner Ward to be the assistant hitting coach. That was a little bit interesting to me too, because I really thought, I mean, yeah, we could have seen him at holiday, but being that he's, you know, he'd have left, I think he about have left Oklahoma state for, um, a manager job, but he wasn't going to do it for the assistant hitting coach job, which is fair. Yeah. Um, but I really expected, you know, with the name being banded around, I really expected Ryan Ludwig to take that job, but I don't know if yeah. I offered it to him, but um, to get a guy like Turner Ward, who has a long history in the big leagues, but none with the Cardinals was a little bit different. Yeah. 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 No, I agree with you on that. And that's uh, for some, I didn't think that any of the holiday talk had much traction just due to his mm-hmm. son coming. You know what I mean? I, I kind of felt like that was probably – it's going to be a pretty big big move for him to have to do it. But you're right. I did think Ludwig was the guy that uh, that was going to fall into place on that just because, you know, he wasn't working with them. His name gets gets uh, gets uh, gets hung out there in connection to DeYoung, and then they hire him back. You know what I mean? It was – I don't know. It was a weird situation. I don't uh, – don't uh, I? I'd like to know the reasoning behind that, and it could be uh, he chose not to. I don't know, but uh, yeah. but yeah, it, it, it was funny how that worked out because that's exactly how I thought. I was like, I bet that's who the, who gets the role. Yeah, I mean, they seem to. I think he's got that roving instructor yeah. role, and maybe that's what he's he'd rather do and not be locked down and have a little bit more freedom and stuff like that. Maybe, but uh, just he really felt like they were kind of priming him for that, and. You know, I you know I've argued it. We've we've talked about it. I it's I feel like it's good for the Cardinals to get some input from other organizations. Sure, and, and with Schumacher and and Ward now coming in, and Schumacher obviously has connections to the Cardinals, but it's been a decade, um, and Ward never has. I mean, 
they're just a little bit different of, hey, this is how I've seen this done. And it doesn't mean that they'll take it. It doesn't mean they'll run with it. It doesn't mean that they'll change things up, you know, on a whim or anything. But just getting that extra input in there has got to make them a little bit better and a little bit less likely to fall into some of that, you know, navel gazing that they can do at times. Yeah. The, and that's, uh, and, yeah, I, they often ran into that trap to where it, uh, they only hire within a bubble and that can be a little bit dangerous. And you, I mean, there's, there are times where Maddox seems like the odd man out and you know, he's done a pretty darn good job. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I kept looking to see what his contract is like. Cause I still feel like at some point in time, they're going to do, what they did with Jeff Albert and get a guy in here that's going to be able to kind of manage the whole system from the pitching side of it. Yeah. But, you know, for right now, that continuity is probably good. And obviously he was still under contract. So that, that helped as well. I think it's very interesting, you know, I, just because I've talked to him a number of times, but Jamie Pogue is the longest serving. Yeah. I thought about you when I saw, I, whenever I saw the announcements and yeah, for yeah, that this reason, this will be his, 9th, 10th, 11th season, I guess. He started wow. in 12. He started with Matheny. And so he, 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 all the way through Matheny, all the way through Schilt, now here with Marmol. Um, just very interesting to see that kind of thing. Because it's kind of a position, I mean, I know he does, you know, he's a bullpen catcher. He works with the catchers. It's it's all this. But it also feels like a position that could easily be one of those that they just turn over just to get somebody, just get a new face in there or something yeah. like that. And to have that to be a situation where that's where the most continuity is, is uh, is a little bit interesting. I mean, I'm glad, obviously. I haven't talked to Jamie in two or three years now, but, um, you know, <laughs> I'm glad to have him still there and, and still being active with the organization. But uh, it's just a little bit strange that that's the, that's the one that's made it through all this, this turmoil. Yeah, and it's just it just shows what happens. I mean, you you feel like these guys have been here forever. And the next thing you know, you're just like, oh, it's been four or five years. You know, it's it's pretty crazy how it works. Yep, pretty much. Um, so let's we've got twenty about twenty minutes left here. It is the you know the week of Thanksgiving. Um, people probably be starting to be traveling if they aren't already. Uh, we hope that uh, if you are, that you're listening. <laughs> Obviously, if you're taking us with you, that's great. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what there is to be thankful for in the text of being a Cardinals fan, obviously family, friends, all the, all the traditional ones, but if just in the specifics of being a Cardinal fan and I'll start because I get to do the easy one, um, is the fact that we get another year of Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright as they make this run to be the most prolific battery of all time, but just this connection that the Cardinals have had with those two guys and to be able to carry it through at least one more year. Um, they say it's their last one. I think if that record's still a possibility in 2023, they'll go come back again. But, um, you know, to have that, I mean, that's a situation that I don't, I don't think we're ever going to be ready for them to leave, to understand what that gap is going to be. And so we get another year to watch it. And that's something to be thankful for. Yeah. And you know, that's a, that's a good one. I'm also, uh, I'm thankful that they're able to incorporate that in you bringing those guys back and those legacy players and, and uh, still proceed to be a winning organization. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. It's throughout the summer. You, I mean, on social media and, you know, you know, the airwaves and all kinds of stuff. It's, it's, there's sometimes the stuff to be optimistic, and after bringing in Arnado this year, it was it was it was more 
it was kind of a, a at a fever pitch this year. But I mean, I feel like we should be very fortunate that we're not we're never going to see one of the teams that has decided to rebuild. I know that we hear a lot of like we think they should, we think it'd be for the better, and you know, I I just don't feel that way. I mean, you you never promise tomorrow. I mean, I don't want to go through a three three year window of losing ninety games, and and I'm fortunate that we've never had to face that. You're right. Uh, to be real involved with this organization, even just as a, on a fan level, I mean, we, we tossed the spoiled word around, and to some degree that's true. I mean, you're right. I mean, they haven't lost, you know, more games than they've won in, you know, what, since 2007. Um, they're in the playoffs almost every year. And, yes, it's been 10 years since they won a World Series, but that's a drop in the bucket compared to a lot of teams. Um, some of which have never won a World Series in their existence. So um, to be able to go out there and know, and also to know that they're going to be, like we've said earlier, they're going to be competitive. They're going to want to win. They're going to, they might not make the moves that we think they should make, um, but they're going to make moves that they think will improve the team, not necessarily moves that are going to improve their bottom line completely um you know we talked about cincinnati we've talked about other teams and you know do they want to make money sure do they make money yes do they spend as much money as we'd like them to not always but they've also gotten guys like call goldschmidt and they've gotten guys like nolan arenado and they've gotten they've made these commitments to people like adam wainwright and, and yadi Molina. you know they spend at at least a mid-market level um while they're a small market team and i don't think that that can be swept under the rug even if you have differences with how they do it um this is an organization that has proven that they they do want to win um and that's more than you could say about some teams in baseball yeah there's uh there's a lot of organizations out there that uh, could have very easily walked away from molina and wainwright and knowing that the, the pr hit they would take but knowing that uh, they have to, they can backfill those spots with with and, and they can pay to upgrade those spots. The Cardinals could potentially have done that, but they're going to meld it together. They're going to go with with who they think had successful seasons, who've meant a lot to the franchise, who's going to go roll right into a red jacket, and b- build around that in the same vein that they build around everything and with sustainability and and not overspend. And it's impressive that they've put themselves in a situation like this. Um, you know, we had that conversation a few years ago of, they can afford a Bryce Harper because they don't pay guys like Bryce Harper. You know, one of those, they, they've stockpiled enough money. Well, it's pretty impressive to be where you are, where they haven't gone out and signed those mighty contracts like that. And, uh, you know, I understand you inherit one with Arnado and it, it's a little bit tricky with the opt outs and stuff like that. But I feel like they're convinced that that just wasn't an option anyway for him to opt out of those. And, and that, that says a lot when you have that kind of confidence that you're going to have that kind of fan base and, and be that, that competitive, do it to make that kind of gamble knowing that, that it would, things would have to go pretty poorly for him to leave. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. And I think that's another, that's another thing to be thankful for is we get to watch Dolan Arenado. Yeah. On a daily oh, yeah. That, was, uh, that has been a joy over the last, you know, again, we talked about earlier in the year, the defense took a little bit of time to come around, but I felt like, especially even though early on, it was still good. And then by the, by mid season and going forward when he kind of had his feet under him, um, you know, just 
incredible stuff all the way around. Well, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, not to catch you off, I have a, you know, anybody that listens to the show and here knows I have a really good friend who's a Rockies fan. He's from Colorado and, and, uh, always brings up, uh, you know, Arnado and whatnot. He was, was it uh, McMahon who actually led a lot of the defensive categories at third base yeah, this year? And, and he and I were talking about it and I said, I go, you know, Arnold is better than I even thought. You know, he does things that that looks easy that you just don't see other guys do. And, and Keith completely back agreed with me. He said, you know, that he goes, that's where I was going with this. He said, I know those numbers are one thing. He goes, but Arnold is just another. He said, it, it's just one. That, those plays that are just, you know, they, they make – he had the highlight real plays that we expected, but just the, some of the other stuff that was just heady baseball plays were just overly, overly impressive to me. Yeah, and the confidence he had that he could pull. Yeah, out. I, mean, how I had another word for it, but I can't say it on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah, but I agree with you. Yeah, those those plays. You know, how many times did he go to second? Uh, yeah, that's the, the one I talked about all the time. I mean, yeah, you never see and, that. No, and uh, almost I don't know that I can remember a time where it didn't work. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but I can't, I can't think of a time where he went to second and the runner reached. And so there's first and second, and nobody out or whatever. I, I don't remember that may have been, but I, I just don't remember. But I can think of a lot of times where he got the guy at second and we had no idea. I mean, it was like, okay, that's a bunt. you got a runner at second with one. And all of a sudden, no, you've got the pitcher at first, you know, or something of that nature with an out. And, and that kind of really kind of completely deflated the inning. Um, his instincts are just are just that good. I mean, he will he will make the play, and you know, as much as as he's been awesome, I think this year we saw Paul. I feel like I saw Paul Goldschmidt. You know, show what you can do at first base too. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was to watch him. I mean, start those double. You know, the double plays, especially those last couple and the last wait, those unique ones. And there were some throws, even by Arenado, that you know, if if Goldschmidt's about two inches shorter, he doesn't get you know, um, stretching and and to be able to stay on the bag. Um, we watched Jose Martinez a couple of years ago, so I think we started to figure out how, how important first base defense was. But to watch him, Paul Goldschmidt this year, I just kind of took it to another level and, and a level that you don't usually see at first base. Yeah, it's uh, it, this is the year that it stood out for him as well. You know what I mean? It, it uh, I just felt like Arnado brought the the uh, um, the level of play in the infield up it, just immensely, and Goldschmidt fed off that a little bit, and it was it was fun to watch, and that's why they won. You know, three fourths of the National League Gold Gloves in the infield. I mean, I have no doubt about that, and it's I, that's probably why they're targeting the pitchers that they are targeting right now because they know that that's rock solid. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's when you look at a guy like Strowman. I don't, I don't know that the Cardinal, especially Cardinal fan base, would be pushing for him as much if it wasn't for the defense behind him. Yeah, um, not that he wouldn't be a good addition at all, but you know, being a ground ball pitcher in front of you know five Gold Glovers basically, or you know, it's a uh, it's something for sure. Um, see what else? What else is there? Um, we, uh, you know, it's thankful to, to have this tradition of the Cardinals that, you know, and to have all those, you know, we had to spend the year, first year without Brock and, and Gibson, but, you know, you still got guys like Ozzy and you've got then that new generation of people that's going to be coming up that, 
you know, the Edmonds and the Rollins and at some point in time, the Pujols um, that are going to be those legends that are still going to have a presence around the ballpark, probably, or at least around the organization. And, you know, I don't, I know that every team probably has, has, they have these guys and they probably do make appearances and stuff, but I don't know that every team has them kind of woven into the fabric of, what they're doing now versus just uh hey look what we used to be yeah yeah that's a great point um you know that, that i wonder this could have been a very somber year with the mm. with the names that were lost and they did a good, a good job of memorializing while not uh just i i don't know by not making it such a a dark cloud more of a more right. an insp- inspirational thing but Will we see more of that with a full ballpark next year to where we see, you know, more salutes to some of these guys? I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I mean, they obviously did the the weekend for Brock and Gibson yeah. the year after the ballpark was fully open. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think, you know, the farther you get away from that, obviously you're always going to remember Brock and yeah. Gibson and Mutual and all those that have passed. But, you know, as time gets away from the, the event it's less you know you probably don't do anything particularly special for them without you know kind of lumping it in with somebody else yeah um and hopefully they don't lose anybody else anytime soon so we don't have to to worry about it yeah um because that is the thing when we talked about it some right there that that losing brock and gibson took that that level of legend of the Cardinals. I mean, now you get into Aussie in the eighties and you know, that's been a bit of a while back, but Aussie still should have a lot of good years in front of him, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, there's not anybody quite on that eighties or, you know, getting into the late seventies, early eighties, late eighties, uh, you know, years of their life. So hopefully they have some time before, because, you know, losing those two guys close by was, was, was tough. So, um, and that's the thing yeah, you're right. You kind of talk about the, the full ballpark coming next year. I mean, that's going to be interesting to see from the get go. Right. I mean, things will be assuming the CBA lets them to play. Um, things should be pretty much this, you know, back to 2019 kind of levels you would think by the, by the opening day. And that should make for a good season. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I feel like you're a year away from it now and, and, uh, it, it you're going to see back ballparks again, and that's the cloud of the uh, the labor situation is the only thing right now that 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 seems to be the the well, and it would be a huge black eye to baseball, but that would be the most negativity you could find right now. Yeah, Cardinals did announce their promotion schedule for next year, which is a step in the right direction. This year they kind of did it, you know, on a month by month basis as the things were going on. Um, I will point out that the Ozzy Smith. Funko uh, Pop is on May 15th. So if anybody goes and doesn't want their Funko Pop, let me know. I'll take care of that. You know, Alan was supposed to get that for me what, two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> in 20 when I think it was available. And, yeah. Uh, you know, that didn't, that didn't pan out quite so much. So, um, anyway, anything else that uh, you're grateful for, thankful for as we get to that uh, end of the show? No, no, just, uh, I'm uh, thankful we'll still have baseball and, and hoping that we will have a full spring training and a full season. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully so. Um, you know, 
if the good thing about a labor stoppage in December and January is it doesn't really change much, right? I mean, especially in the last few years when the Cardinals haven't signed anybody till like February. Yeah. So it really doesn't notice any much. But, um, you know, we say hopefully it kind of clears up soon and, and they can move forward. And, and as we said, with the activity that's going on right now, it really at least makes it feel like that front offices don't expect the financial side of things to be significantly different. And they do expect to be playing ball soon. So yeah, exactly. Hopefully that's the case. Alan and I will be around this winter. Um, don't know any specific plans, especially if there is a, a lockout, then there may not be as much to talk about, but I'm sure we'll get back at least at some point in time in December. Uh, and then hopefully we'll start back up in January for yet another season of this thing. Um, so we hope you've had, have a good holiday um, and until next time, that is Alan. I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night. Shooter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss. And that's a winner. That's a winner. A World Series winner for the Cardinals.